David decrees that the Ark of the Covenant should be given a place of honor. The prophet Nathan assures David that God is with him. A reading from the second book of Samuel. Now when the king was settled in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to the prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and we shall be a son to me. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 89, verses 20 through 37. Please st- found on page 4 of your service booklet. Please stand and sing.
assures the Gentiles at Ephesus that through Jesus' death and resurrection, they are now included among the chosen people of God. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. Remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision, by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of two, the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for for God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. In the um, July scroll, I ran an article about um, five questions for reflection. Um, Today's sermon is going to be a bit of a quiz. Do you know those five questions? Um, We're going to talk about them. I have been asking folks, since I've come back from Louis, um, to be involved in hands-on, face-to-face ministry once a month, and then weekly reflection. Um, 
we're doing really good at the hands-on face-to-face ministry. I said my goal for the year was to have 30% of the congregation involved in hands-on uh, face-to-face ministry once a month, and we're probably really close to 30%. So now it's time to talk about this reflection bit. Why reflection? Um, our gospel story starts out today, the disciples, the apostles, Mark calls them, the only time in his gospel, those sent out. The apostles gather around Jesus after they've been out preaching and healing and begin to talk about everything that they had done. And Jesus says, come away to a deserted place by yourselves. Um, they get away and people follow them and they don't have leisure. And then we leave out the bit about the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus has compassion on them for they're like sheep without a shepherd. And as the day wears on, the disciples say, send them away into the villages to buy food. And he says, no, you give them something to eat. Um, but Jesus takes time or wants to take time, tries to take time with the apostles to reflect. They come back and tell him everything that they've been doing and teaching. When he sent them out, remember, he let them carry a stick, a staff, but no bag, no bread, one pair of sandals, and one coat. That was all. They were to go into the cities and villages wherever they were and accept the hospitality of whoever would have them. Whoever sets out a meal for you, eat it. And then cast out demons. Bring to the table all who need to come to the table. And we're told that they cast out demons, they anoint the sick, and they preach repentance. And then we get the story of Herod plopped down right in the middle of this episode as if Mark is trying to say, so where do you think the kingdom is? Is it with Herod or is it with the twelve? And of course we know the answer, it's with the twelve. It's with the people who are inviting people to come to table. Of course, the disciples are kind of dense. They don't get it. He feeds the 5,000 in the desert. He feeds 4,000. They're crossing the sea one more time. And the disciples say, we didn't bring any bread. And he says, don't you understand about the kingdom? Come away and reflect. If we don't come away and reflect, we, like the disciples, won't get what it is that we're doing. I've been pushing this hands-on face-to-face ministry, and I sort of wrote just down a real quick list of things that we've been doing. We've done Ronald McDonald House twice. Some of us were at St. John's last night for piecemeal. We've done, there were eight folks at Habitat. We've got folks doing Feed My People on a regular basis. We've got people doing Meals on Wheels, and the list could go on. It tells us something about ourselves. We like to do. We're very good when we're task-oriented. Give me something to do and I will do it. David, having finally settled his enemies, got his kingdom all together, built himself a palace of cedar, wants to build God a house. And Nathan says, sure, go ahead, do what you're thinking of doing. Has a dream that night and comes back and says, nope. God says, will you build me a house? Rather, I will build you a house. I will make for you a dynasty. All of these years, I've lived in tents. Do you think I want to live in a house now? It's a reminder to David that he doesn't make the kingdom. God does. God is in charge. Ephesians, there's that wonderful passage from Ephesians about dividing breaking down the dividing wall, the wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. Think of any us and them. 
And God says, I'm bringing them all into the house, but I make the house. I will make you together into a spiritual dwelling for God. We don't make the house, God does. Those 12 that went out were supposed to accept the hospitality of others. We don't set the table. God sets the table. Um, When we run out and do things, our tendency is to think the kingdom is our responsibility. We're going to fix things for folks at Ronald McDonald House, for the piecemeal, for Sudan, whatever it is. And then when we can't, when it's bigger than us, we despair and think, "Uh uh-oh, now what? Now we're stuck. That's the reminder. God sets the table. He tells the twelve, no, you don't go out and feed folks. You sit down at the table. They prepare for you. Then you bring them to the table, heal the sick, and say, the kingdom has come. We don't build the house. God builds the house. God wants as many people in that house as possible, whatever us and them you can think of, Jew and Gentile, black and white, rich and poor, gay and straight, whatever it is, God says, get them in the house. But I build it. If you can't make it work, don't worry. Step back. Take some time by yourselves. Reflect. And then say, where do we go from here? So those five questions are, what is the life of Christ? Um, And these questions work just perfectly well whether you're reading scripture or thinking about something you've done, um, some hands-on face-to-face ministry. What is the life of Christ? How is God revealed to us in what we've just read or what we've just done? Where is the kingdom in this? What, what do we discover? We were at, the, at St. John's at the piecemeal last night, and, and folks, we were encouraged to eat with folks at the table. It was really kind of fun to see that this was a whole neighborhood thing, a whole range of people coming in for this free meal, some who needed it, some who didn't, um, but all together at the table. That begins to look a little bit like the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? What is the life of Christ? The second question is, How do we intercede to make that more available to others? The word intercede in Latin means to stand between. How do I stand between that life of Christ and others to make it more available? The third question is confession. What do I do, what do we do to hinder that life of Christ? And where do we depend on God ourselves? Third, fourth question is, what do we offer? What of myself can I give for the work of the kingdom? And the fifth question is, how do we give thanks? What has God done for us that we give thanks for? Notice that those five things fit just very neatly into the Eucharist. No accident, they were taken straight from it. The life of Christ is the sermon. The intercession is the prayers of the people. The confession is obvious. The offering is obvious. And the thanksgiving is giving God thanks for setting the table at which we encounter the kingdom. As time goes on, there will be quizzes. Learn those five questions. Um, there's a booklet out on the, on the table um, called The Revealing Word, um, something I wrote several years ago. Take a copy of that. It goes into more detail. I want folks involved in thinking about that. There's the online discussion board, um, the Wednesday evening Eucharist. You can form groups of yourself for yourself. But the question is, the, the thing that we're doing is reminding ourselves We're not bringing about the kingdom. God is. Where do we encounter it now? How do we make it available? David says, let me build you a house. And God says, no, 
other way around. I'll build you a house. Bring everybody you can into that house. But remember, it's God's. If we don't remember, we despair. We say, I can never fix it. Yep, that's right. Where is it? How do we give thanks for it? And how do we bring others into it? Amen.